0: God bless and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. What we're going to look at today is no other foundation. No other foundation. And In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, we read, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Men are oftentimes looking for foundations upon which to build upon. By searching for the right preacher the right denomination, or the right doctrine. But rarely, if not directly led by God's Holy Spirit, will men initially seek as their foundation Jesus Christ. Yet there is only one true foundation upon which any man can properly build his spiritual life, and it is the Son of God. In Him lives the foundation of all true religion. And without Him, there is absolutely nothing that will not ultimately be viewed as sinking sand. A true foundation is also not something that needs to be either invented or reinvented by man, since God has already laid His Son as the foundation of the Christian church. Unlike with all true works of God, the Lord leaves no room for human thinking in its construction. Because of this, It is not given to any to either imagine or construct that which has already been laid by God, since God has already placed His Son as the foundation of all true religion. Barnes on 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation, it is implied by the course of the argument here that this was the foundation which had been laid at Corinth and on which the church there had been reared. And it is affirmed that no other foundation can be laid. A foundation is that upon which a building is raised. The foundation of a church is the doctrine on which it is established. That is, the doctrines which its members hold, those truths which lie at the basis of their hopes, and by embracing which they have been converted to God." In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, we read, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The apostles' warning here to Timothy is that men would eventually abandon the true gospel of Jesus Christ simply because they would look for a more pleasing doctrine more adaptable also to their fleshly lusts. Paul thus warns Timothy, even in the very early years of Christianity, that the practice of true Christianity would ultimately be lowered to the carnality of sinful people. Religion, Paul states, would grow worse and worse, simply because carnal and unspiritual men would begin to practice it. From then, the proper foundation of Jesus Christ— men would depart to form religions more pleasing to themselves. Such is the depravity of man, that even though God has set His Son as the base of everything divine, men will still abandon Him and His words in order that they may form religions more appealing to their own fleshly lusts. He then, who is not satisfied with Jesus Christ and sound doctrine, will look for other means to construct a different foundation, separate also from the Son of God. This teaches us that when men leave and or depart from the true gospel, they shall never really be satisfied with anything after it. And like an itch, no matter the attention given to it, it cannot be soothed. What also is learned from Paul's words to Timothy is that the church of Christ, or at least those who profess to be in it, will not grow better, but will actually develop more resistance to the truth. Christianity, according to Paul, as the years passed, would decline and move further and further away from the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, verse 29, we read, For I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, Of your own selves, and that is within this professed church, shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Because men's lusts are many, false teachers also would be multiplied in abundance. So that ultimately, for every human imagination and feeling, a new corrupt teacher must arise to nurture and care for it. Barnes on this verse that there will be always religious teachers of some kind, and that in proportion, as error and sin abound, they will be multiplied. And in Isaiah 30, uh, verse 10, we read, Which say to the seers, and this is the people of Israel, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. This verse speaks to the corruptness of man that he does not want nor desires to be taught right things that come from God, but rather will prefer the smooth and delusional things of man. This was Israel's sin, and it is still common today, where men do not inwardly desire the true word of God or the truth that it conveys to those dead in sins, but rather prefer deceitful words, "...not grounded in the truth. In short, carnal men, because of their fleshly appetites, prefer false prophecies whereby they can remain deceived. It is therefore common, like with Israel before, that men will choose the smooth lies of deceit over the sharp two-edged sword which is the word of God, a word also which, when believed, will lead men towards repentance and reveal to them their need for a Savior." since none will find need for Jesus Christ if they are deceived to believe that there is not true sin in themselves. Gil on, Isaiah thirty ten, Who say to the prophets, prophesy not, and to the teachers, teach us not the doctrine of the law. Rather, speak unto us smooth things that peace and prosperity should attend them, though they went on in their sinful courses. Prophesy deceits, for to prophesy peace to them when destruction was at hand was to deceive them, and yet they chose rather to be told the one than the other. Quote. In order for people to feel comfortable in moving away from Jesus Christ as the foundation of faith, it is necessary that false prophets arise, giving credibility to their departure. For though men will depart from the truth of God's word, still they will greatly desire to maintain the belief that they are continuing to follow it. The main characteristic of these false ministries also is that they will not address people's iniquity, nor speak anything uncomfortable to them. Desiring to please their hearers, false prophecies spoken also by false prophets will not help people to discover their iniquities, nor reveal the real cause of their broken lives. Lamentations chapter 2, verse 14. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity, to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for these false burdens and causes of banishment. In order for men to escape captivity... Iniquity must be both believed as being committed and then repented of. Yet it is a common practice even today that sin will go unaddressed by many who claim to come in God's name in order that people are given things more pleasing to their ears. But if there is no repentance by sinners, there cannot be any true forgiveness hoped for. Just as he who hides sin shall never prosper Even more serious, he cannot also ever receive pardon from the Lord. The weight of sin also is such that it is greater than any man can bear. Hence, without Jesus Christ loosing men from sin, it shall continue to keep them captive. And just as men are powerless to deal with the weight of their own sin, so are they equally unable to escape its harsh consequences. He then... "...who cannot free himself from sin, has the same lack of strength to change its consequences from manifesting themselves in his life. Observe as well that if sin lay unaddressed by those who say they speak for God, then you can know that whatever godly ministry is being promoted, it is not really what it claims to be. For God endorses no true ministry that endeavors to keep people blind to sin and its dreadful consequences, which sin will undoubtedly produce in people's lives. Again, Lamentations 2.14, this is the NIV. The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. Ultimately, if the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not with authority taught, and if the spirit he sends is not diligently sought after, you can know that the true gospel of Christ has been abandoned, simply because man's greatest fault is his sinful heart, and only Jesus Christ and the spirit he sends can change this naturally born condition. To properly have Jesus Christ as our foundation will require obedience to his words. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, we read Therefore, this is Christ speaking Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone That heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Again, there is but one religious foundation and one solid rock that any can build upon, securing themselves from a future fall. This foundation is Christ, through obedience to his words. Since all other human thought will, when under the storms of this life, quickly reveal itself as insufficient for maintaining proper religion. Consequently, if Jesus Christ and His words are not the foundation of a man's faith, it is sure to inevitably crumble under him. There is also a very significant reason why departure from the faith is quite sudden in most cases. Simply because, if outside circumstances get difficult enough, then like a great landslide, the less stable foundations that men have chosen to build upon will quickly be swept away. The severity of the storm ultimately producing the very sudden and often complete collapse of faith. Hence, only those who have obeyed the Son of God's words will be able to take shelter in the one true God when life storms and catastrophes hit. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 27, we read, this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house. And it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Every man, therefore, should be warned that if Jesus Christ and obedience to his words are not the foundation of faith, then nothing but a great collapse of religion is both guaranteed and promised in the future since none can reject the words of the Lord Jesus and not eventually have to pay a great personal consequence and cost for it. If this truth is not completely seen in this life, it is guaranteed to be visible in the next. For he who does not have Jesus Christ as the foundation of his faith will at some point in time suffer disgrace for building upon some lesser foundation though he thought it would support him. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, we read, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, and this is the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, in reference to Jesus Christ, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. This verse is taken from Isaiah 28, 16. The cornerstone referred to Here is Jesus Christ, who alone holds together and supports all true religion. The Greek word for confounded is katakuno. It is defined by Strong's Concordance as to put to shame or to bring to shame, to disgrace. Hence, if a man believes on the Son of God, who is the cornerstone of all true faith, then he shall never be, either in this life or the next, put to shame nor suffer disgrace for what he has believed. This is not to say that others who have rejected building upon the Son of God have a similar hope. The reason also that those who have Christ as their foundation will not be put to shame nor disgraced is because Christ is that stone which God has placed as the foundation of true religion. Thus the gospel remains secure simply because God is its builder and not man, whereas all human religion, which has not the Lord Jesus as its base, is in one form or another an invention of human imagination. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we read, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This verse teaches us that when men do not hold proper respect for God, evidence also by belief and adherence to God's words, then they will digress to imagination. If then God is not revered, human imagination will replace the practice of true religion. And in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, we read, And he shall be for a sanctuary, again in reference to Christ, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, for a gin which is a trap for small animals, usually involving a noose, and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. To the disobedient, Jesus Christ will not be a cornerstone that yields strength in times of trial, but rather a stumbling block to fall over. Hence, to an unbelieving and spiritually dirty man, the preaching of Jesus Christ will cause stumbling, To the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus Christ became a stumbling block simply because their human religion made no room for God's true religion. It is thus common for men to reject the proper faith in favor of a one they have themselves made. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, we read, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom or in Christ, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Barnes on this verse, and are built upon the foundation. The comparison of the church with a building is common in the scripture. The comparison was probably taken from the temple. And as that was an edifice of great beauty, expense, and sacredness, it was natural to compare the church with it. Besides, the temple was the sacred place where God dwelt on the earth. And as the church was the place where he delighted now to abide, it became natural to speak of his church as the temple or the residence of God. Quote. God's church, which is referred to as a temple, has as its most important fixture God's Son, Jesus Christ. Everything is built upon Him, and through Him, all God's promises are fulfilled. From then this cornerstone also, believers are daily being added to God's holy temple. This temple is also a living temple, comprised of living stones who are themselves believers of God's Son. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we read, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The book of Acts also reveals that God does not dwell in physical temples made merely with human hands. In Acts 17, beginning in verse 24, we read, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though He needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So also, Acts 7, 48, howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Because God does not dwell in any earthly structure, he has determined that His presence should dwell in His people. Hence, those called by Christ who have been filled with God's Holy Spirit form the true temple of the living God. The Lord, since He is the Father of all living things, finds it fitting that His presence resides in those newly formed spiritual children who also, by His own supernatural creation, are made to be His sons. Ultimately, it is the people of God who form the real temple of God. And this temple has as its foundation God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. In this celestial and mystical building, the living Christ is its cornerstone. From Him, the entire spiritual building is being erected and fitly framed together to house God's presence so that ultimately God may be all in all. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28, And when all things shall be subdued unto Him, then shall the Son also Himself be subject unto Him, that put all things under Him, that God may be all in all. As a cornerstone, the resurrected Jesus Christ became the very first stone of God's new spiritual building. Thus, with Christ's resurrection the cornerstone of God's heavenly building was finally set so that the construction of God's living temple could be begun. Ultimately then, Christ, who is a living spirit, became the first living stone set in God's spiritual temple. Through then, Christ also will the whole world be brought into subjection to God. And as God's cornerstone, Jesus is the very first stone that has been placed Reading men for the new world to come. Benson on this verse, when all things shall be subdued, or rather subjected unto him, and there is no longer need of a prophet to teach, nor of a priest to make atonement and intercede, nor of a king to deliver, protect, and govern under God. The Father will resume the government, and then even the Son Himself shall be subjected to him who subjected all things to him, that God, or the Godhead, may be all in all, may be over all things, in all places, and the immediate object of their worship and service, or rather, may be all things in and to his intelligent creatures, saints and angels, by a full communication of himself to them, and an intimate union with them, end quote. Through Christ, a world that had previously departed from God and remained resistant to His will, will then in the future, because of the ministry of God's Son, become subject to God again. So great then is Jesus Christ as God's foundation that a brand new world of willing subjection to God will be produced. This building... And this world shall be much different than the world we live in now, for it shall adore God and not rebel against him. It shall embrace God's sovereignty and not despise it, so that ultimately the God of creation supernaturally will fill and completely reside in all his created beings, that God may be all in all with his people, greatly desiring him to be. Amen.